Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Only five humans, written by Sy Sanic. His Royal Highness, King Lion's Mane. It is no secret that the Orc Horde is intent upon descending upon my capital, and thus unto my people. We need not waste words in this message with idle chat. I require a vanguard of your forces to assist defending my city. Reward will be handsome. And if this repellent is successful, me and my people will be forever in your debt. With kindest regards, King Ithrandril of the High Owls. The elvish king, Ithrandil, scrunched up the parchment scroll in his hands with rage as he looked over at the room of his balcony as the carriage entered his royal court. The lavish greens and purples of his gardens that lined the pathways were almost tainted by the earthen brown and steel grey of the carriage as it halted in the clearing. A group of his guards approached the carriage as the figures lingered within the carriage's hold emerged. Five humans nearly fell from the carriage, all but one of them on the cusp of being drunk. The only sober-looking human couldn't even be older than fifteen years old, and wore a white gown with a hood. Do they mock me? Ithrandil snarled quietly to his queen, as the humans bumbled and went out to getting the possessions from the carriage before being ushered inside by the guide. Five humans, five! He tossed the scroll aside. What use is five humans? I need thousand times that! He hissed as he span on his heels and entered his chambers, cursing the human king with a multitude of colorful alvin words. He watched as they encroached across the farmlands. The orc horde, numbering in the thousands, swept the land like a living tide, sacking and pillaging the farmhouses and outlying settlements as they advanced. They were empty, of course. Ethrandal would not have even left the lowest caste of Alf perish at the hands of the orc. In his golden armor, he observed from the balcony. He could make out the form of the capital's gates almost a kilometer away, and saw four of the five humans there with his vanguard of Alvin defenders, the strongest of his army. My king, you should withdraw your vanguard, the small, white-clad human softly said next to him. They will be of little use. The elven blood need not be spilled this day. Ethrandel looked down at the little human. Her name was Gianna, and she was a self-proclaimed novice sorceress. Then why aren't you down there bolstering the human's friend? Ethrandel snidely remarked. Because I'm a little girl, and I would not last three seconds, Lord. Gianna flatly replied. My forte is in the arcane arts. Ithrandal went to scold the girl for her cheek, but stopped as the capital gates burst open. Instantly, four humans leapt at the horde. The two biggest humans, a male and a female barbarian duo called Draca and Blackfang, swung their massive axes in white arcs, slicing orcs into pieces as they laughed and gleefully wailed in their native tongues of black orcish blood splattered their bodies. 
As Rendell's attention was drawn to his side as Gianna began mumbling to herself in a language that he had not heard in his 700 years of life. He looked back at the two barbarians to see them fight faster and faster, their weapons a blur, their skin deflecting every blow that landed upon them. The two remaining humans stood back, one of them conjuring a hellish-looking purple miasma around him as he began to hover from the cobblestone floor. Like a shoddy pantomime, the corpses of the fallen orcs rose shakily with eyes black as night and turned upon their living comrades. Failing twice their number in mere seconds, every living orc slain by an undead one made it join the human ranks, turning on its horde mates seconds after dying. The final human, who had taken to climbing as high as possible on the stone gateway, looked down at the approaching horde. He looked back at the balcony, where Esprendol visibly shuddered as he swore he felt the human's gaze piercing him. He looked to Gianna, who was also hovering like the necromancer down below. From beneath her hood, her eyes were shining white and her arms were outstretched as she chanted a dialect that sounded like it needed three tongues to speak. The human on top of the gateway fell to his knees painfully and exploded into a cloud of claw and claret. Then he rose from the remains made of Rendell visibly sick. The human had transformed into a hellish abomination of claws, wings, and skin like red leather. The sages and bedtime tales of the young would have referred to him as a uh, demon. The beast leapt from the gateway with a soul-crushing roar and barreled into the orcish horde, tossing, smashing, and crushing the green-skinned warriors with as much ease as wiping dust from an old bookshelf. The Alvin vanguard began to flee in abject terror and confusion. The demon hosts and the necromancy were against the very fabric of Alvin culture and existence, leaving the four humans to kill the horde alone. By the goddess, Israndel whispered, his eyes wide in sheer terror and awe as the human space never faltered or slowed. Silence, Lord. Gianna growled in deep, three-layered voice. We're not done yet. Ithrandal couldn't muster the rage or nerve to challenge the young girl as she now rose higher, her fingers twisting like claws as she darkened the skies with arcane magics. From behind the blackened clouds, a collection of orange glows formed, and suddenly a shower of rocks propelled themselves towards the horde in a brilliant arc of fire. Hawks were launched in every direction as hundreds of tons of smoldering and molten rock descended on them relentlessly, wiping out their numbers quicker than any of the other humans combined. It took mere minutes for the orc horde to rout, and those who weren't close enough to be slain retreated away, squealing in lamentation at their defeat at the hands of five humans. The humans had left as quickly as they had arrived, and Ithrandol had rewarded them handsomely, and had returned them to the kingdom from which they came. The necromancer and Gianna even cleaned their bodies and blood from the streets in a mere minutes with magic. The barbarians collected trophies of tusks and scalps from the orcs, and the demon host had his fair share of gore to ingest to appease the monster within. Ithrandil sat alone in his chamber, his mind scrambled from the day's happenings. 
He had never been so unsure of what he had just witnessed in his entire life. He always thought humans inferior and their magic screwed and weak. With a shaky hand and a bottle of his strongest wine at his side, he wrote a message back to the human king. To his royal highness, King Lion's Mane, words fail me. Your help was immeasurable. Woe betide your enemies. With the kindest regards, King Ithrandil of the High Elves. End of story. Story number two. Earth Fell Silent, written by British Tea Company. There are a few things which inspire as much horror as the sight of a Rigelian capital ships. Only a handful of them are in service, a great relief to the galaxy at large. Their names bore ill omen wherever spoken. There was a sky piercer, the vessel that laid low a hundred capital ships in the Battle of Garong Three. There was Dragon's Crescent, the brows bearing and snarling features of a creature of human myth, its visage as terrifying as its firepower. And of course, there was also the Celestial Lance, Emperor Vey's personal ship, the ship born from the heavens of the Rygadians boasted. And to the Solarian cousins who didn't place such emphasis on gaudy floating fortresses, they simply had too many ships to count. When one of their number fell, three would rise up and take its place. It was a saying amongst their allies that by the time one had destroyed a single Solarian ship, their factories at home had already built its replacement. It was a sight for sore eyes when the goings get tough and one looks up to see a countless squadron bearing a proud insignia of the Solarian Eagle, ready to assist in the conflict. One side, the scourge of the Galactic Coalition, the other side, one of the most cherished members. It was hard to believe that these two shared blood, born from the same planet and separated eventually during a trying time upon their world. In a great conflagration, day rivalry between the two people was born of the same blood and light in the galaxy. Many believed that reconciliation between the peoples would be impossible. The dream of a unified humanity flickered and faded upon the fateful second year of the Zakron invasion. From the wild reaches of space, a massive invasion fleet of unknown origin had swept the galaxy in a maelstrom of fire and fury decimating countless civilizations in its way. Earth just so happened to be in their war path. Relatively isolated from the rest of the Galactic Coalition, the Solarians were left to their own devices, where their fleet movements indicating the bulk of their forces would be left to defend the Sol system. It was a sobering morning to find that all had gone dark at Sol. Not a trace of the Solarians remained, not even a single straggler ship had made it out of the conflict zone. Worse still, it appeared that Zarkrans, however barely slowed by the vast fleets of the Solarians had amassed in their homeworld, they would barrel their way towards the rest of the galaxy unhindered. Spirits were dampened at the prospect of the Solarians being eliminated so quickly, yet fight on the galaxy had to help. However, would arrive from the most unlikely of places, 
on the eve of the likely ill-fated battle between the Coalition and the Sarkans, an immense fleet of Rygelian ships warped in and joined the Coalition ranks. At the helm of the Celestial Lance, Crown Prince Juan confided to the Coalition that the Rygelian Empire would assist them, though... They had warred with their cousins often. The death of humanity's homeworld was an insult that the Rygelians would never forget or forgive. Bringing alongside him was a fleet of 3,000 warships and the famed 30 titans of Rigel. Yet, as two sides eventually clashed, as countless tens of thousands of vessels exchanged volleys of ordnance, illuminating the darkness of space with the light-energy weapons and the glow of heavy shells, it was clear that even the bloodthirsty Rygelians would not help enough. The first signs came when the Great Sun's wrath fell to a ceaseless tide of Zarkon ships. Its energy signature, once aglow like a namesake, fell dark. Though that ship had once scourged a thousand ships before it, its death bore only an ill portent for the Coalition and their allies. Almighty Tyrant and Invisible Conqueror were the next to die. These Rygelian Titans had energy signatures so bright that their presence could be detected from countless tens of millions of miles away. Falling dark was a terrible thing to consider, for many of the Coalition had long feared these ships to be invincible. The Conqueror's death, in particular, was a sobering sight. The twelve-kilometer-long warship suffered particularly catastrophic core detonation that could have been seen from a thousand miles away, even by the naked eye. Further exacerbating the situation was the presence of more warp signatures incoming. It seemed that the Zarkons would be triumphant. Until there was someone identified those signatures to be human. Solarian. It was a steady trickle of ships that soon opened up the floodgates of reinforcements. Whereas the Rygelian might be concentrated in a handful of hardy vessels, the Solarians unleashed wave upon wave of ships that it would seem they dwarfed the Zarkons in sheer number. Communications indicated that there would be a total of five fleets en route to join the coalition. Yet if one had carefully paid attention to the senses, it would appear that the Solarians already had gathered five fleets. A sixth one was in hyperspace, incoming at a rather abnormally slow pace. And that was when the Coalition saw the warp exit point of what quite literally was the size of a planet. It was true that Earth had gone silent, but not for the reasons anyone could have imagined. The Cradle of mankind lumbered through the cold waters of space, its immense status dwarfing even the largest of Rygelian capital ships. And that was the moment the Coalition's victory was in sight. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.